I don't think you can say mom and have a neutral reaction. I don't think you can say mom and just have a non-feeling reaction. And here's the reason. Because so many of us have had different experiences when it comes to the idea and the principle of mom. And it triggers in us history and life and emotion and story. And moms are a part of our story. And some of you who are moms have been moms or trying to be moms have, have, have had the, the whole spectrum of momhood. There's such an emotional connection to this idea of mom. And so I want to just begin by saying wherever you are, on that spectrum, on that story, we honor you. And we say that we love you. And happy Mother's Day. And I was thinking about all of the mom figures in my life. And I came from, uh, 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 I don't call it a broken home, I'll just call it a, a messy home. And, uh, and there was all kinds of experience. And I had my mom. My mom was young uh, when she had me, and she was like my buddy. And we lived at my grandma's house. And my grandma was, uh, always says that she raised me till I was nine, and then my mom kidnapped me. And, uh, and so I had multiple mom figures. Uh, my grandmother was one of my mom figures. I lived with her in her home until I was nine years old. And I learned something from her that was unique to her and to who she was and what she brought to the table. Even though I wasn't her biological child, I was her grandchild. She deposited life into me. And I'll never forget uh, when, when it was getting close to the time when she was going to go and be with Jesus. I was sitting at a table with her. And I was telling stories and talking about growing up uh, in, in the house with her. And she knew time, it was time uh, soon. And she said something to me that, that triggered me. She said that one of the neighbors had come over and borrowed something and not returned it. Now, I'm just going to say this. I'm a man. That's an easy problem to solve for a guy. We compartmentalize things. You borrowed it, didn't bring it back. I'll go get it. Like, let me solve this problem for you, Grandma, right? And she was kind of stressed because, you know, she didn't want to put any pressure on him if maybe they still needed it. And then I, I said, Grandma, just, I'll go get it. And she put her arm on my head, and she said, mijo. So she called me. I wasn't hers, but it's my, my son. She said, mijo. She said, if they need it, they need it. They can have it. And I was like, no, that's not how the world works. It's three houses down and across the street. I can have it in like a minute and a half, whether they're home or not. And <laughs> I'll just go grab it. It's not a big deal. It's ours. And she says, no, if they need it, they need it. And she said, listen, I may not have a lot of things around here. I may, get, if, if everything I have goes, but there'll be a lot of people that come and say goodbye to me. And she left me a legacy of just being generous and not being so attached to my stuff. And I thought, wow, what a powerful legacy. My, uh, my aunt, my mom's sister. So I grew up in a house of Puerto Rican women. And so if you haven't been around Puerto Rican women, there's some things you should know. One is this is the normal posture, <laughs> right? That's just normal. That's not aggressive or negative. That's just, you know, Tuesday at noon. That's just how, that's how we do things, right? There's a little arm on the hip and attitude. It's just part of how that goes. And my aunt Eva, I remember I was young and uh, I was at the store and it was before every store had electric doors. And, and we were walking in and I, I swung open a door and I started to walk through it. And out of nowhere, this hand just came flying and whap in the back of my head. <laughs> and I turned around and I was like, what? And she said, you are going to be a man someday, and you are going to learn that when you're with women, you treat them with respect and with honor, and you open the door for your cousin and me. And I was like, whoa, 
okay. <laughs> now, was that the way to do it? I don't know, but I never forgot that, <laughs> that, that there was a measure of respect that I needed to have for the women in my life. You see, from a different position than mom, she poured into my life. My mom, she is uh, a warrior of compassion and forgiveness and care and second chances. And she taught me that no one is without redemption. No one is so far that you can't continue to love and demonstrate love. All things, different women in my life poured into my life. Now, why do I share all those things? Because mom means a lot of things to a lot of us. And for some of us, we're in seasons of our lives where we're like, well, I'm not in a mom season of my life, but you're still pouring into people around you. Some of us play that role in a lot of different ways. And I'm so grateful for everyone who does. And I was thinking about this idea of what it means to be a great mom. And we're in a series in Proverbs. And I thought, hey, this is awesome. I've never preached Proverbs 31 before. I spent some time with Proverbs 31 and realized, I know why I've never preached Proverbs 31 before. In 15 years of, of doing ministry stuff, I've never preached Proverbs 31 before. And you know why? It's brutal. Ladies, why is every conference you go to, Proverbs 31, it's like this giant bar to try to jump over. It's so much pressure. I was feeling so much pressure preparing and writing this, thinking, man, this is tough. I don't even want to be the guy that goes up and talks about this this weekend because all of you are going to look Puerto Rican as you're looking at me <laughs> saying, what do you got to say to me about how to be a noble woman. And so I was like, all right, Lord, let's do this together. And, and I, I'm going to get there, but I want to talk for just a moment about why I thought there was so much pressure here. And the pressure here is connected to about two months ago, we talked about running your own race. I don't know if you remember that. And we had Ruth. She's amazing. She ran like I don't know, 10 miles on a treadmill right here while I preached, didn't even break a sweat. And we talked about how each of us is designed to run our own race and that there's no joy in comparison. And we're not designed to compare ourselves to one another. We're designed to run the race God designed us to run. And that's why I had so much tension as I read about this amazing woman who does everything. And I thought, I don't want to be in a position. I don't want to try to compare myself to her. Why would I put us in a position to compare myself, compare ourselves to this incredible woman that we see in Proverbs 31? And then it clicked. I understood. Hey, I don't even understand who wrote this and why. Let's start there and see if we can't unpackage this amazing story about a woman in Proverbs 31. Here's the first thing I want you to catch. You may not know this. Proverbs 31 in the original Hebrew language is a poem. It's a poem. It's not a description of a living person literally given in the moment. It's a poem. It's an acrostic poem. The kind of acrostic poem, like uh, if you've ever heard Sinatra's L-O-V-E-E, -E, right? L is for the way you look tonight, right? It's like that, but it's every letter of the alphabet. A is for the way she's awesome. B is for the way she's beautiful. C is the way that she challenges, whatever it is, right? How many times she changed her clothes before we leave the house? E no. No. <laughs> That's my poem in my head that I'm going through, so I just shared that with you, right? And so I want you to understand that you're hearing 
poetry. It's just translated into English so it doesn't sound as poetic. But I'm going to have someone come and read this to you, and I want you to hear it through the lens of a poem. A wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Amen. Thank you. What a beautiful piece of poetry and an amazing depiction and description of a woman who is considered noble. Now, there were more elements to the story of who wrote this and why that began to surface as I dove into this passage. And I, I want to begin at the beginning. If you can put Proverbs 31.1 up there. I don't know if we realize where the story starts. This entire proverb, it says, the, the sayings of King Lemuel, an inspired utterance his mother taught him. Let's leave that up there for just a second. I want you to catch this. Proverbs 31 was written by someone named King Lemuel. And we'll get into his identity and story a little bit. But it wasn't his words. They were words that he learned from who? Yes. So let's think about that for a second. His mom knew that she was raising a young man who would someday be king. And so she decided that she was going to impart to him a picture of the kind of woman that she would hope that he would someday marry. Are you tracking with me? So she taught him a poem. And I can imagine his entire life 
she's teaching him, A is for the way she's awesome. B is for the way she's beautiful. I won't say C again because my wife's right in front of me. <laughs> but she taught him this his whole life, this story about this ideal woman of God. And she said, this woman is the kind of woman that has noble character. For some of you, maybe the only thing you need to hear this morning is you have the ability to impart into a generation behind you hope of God's best for them someday. Whether it's in a relationship, whether it's just them in a, a, achieving their dreams and goals, you have the ability to speak into a generation behind you. That's what this is. This, this isn't a story about a woman. This is a story about a mom who loves her son enough to say, I want you to have a picture of what God can do in your life. That's amazing. All of a sudden, the pressure comes way, way down. And we understand, oh, I get it. This is a loving mom who's crazily setting the bar high, <laughs> just like I would want her to, just like I would hope she would. She's lifted the bar up to the level of only God could do and provide, and that is an awesome mom. That's an awesome mom. King Lemuel scored. And so he writes this incredible story about a wife of noble character that he's learned from his mom. Now, I want to talk about some of these ideas of what it means to be noble. Now, noble character is, is really just meaning that it's a reflection of God's character. Who is the most noble? God is noble. And so she's saying, this woman is a reflection of God's character. And here are some ways that you can know if the person that you're pursuing, if the person that you love, if the person that you're chasing after is the kind of person who reflects the image and character of God. So I'm going to take you through a couple of these characteristics, and, uh, and then we'll land, and I'll, I'll let you out of here on time, and you guys can take pictures, and it'll be awesome. First is this, and I don't always do a bunch of uh, uh, points this way, but I just had to in order to walk through all of this. And so the first is this. He, she, she says the first noble attribute you can get is that she loves. It's her love. And I love this because there's this incredible picture of a heart that can genuinely be trusted. Really be trusted. Ask myself all the time, can you trust my heart? Am I tensions pure? Am I, am I really doing this because God and the kingdom, or am I doing this because of Mike? Wow. And this mom says, you look into the heart of the person you trust. And you ask yourself, is that heart trustworthy? Does it reflect genuine love? Paul tells us that love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it isn't proud, it isn't rude, it's not self-seeking, it does not delight in evil, it rejoices with the truth. It always trusts, hopes, protects, perseveres, it never fails. That this picture of love that can be trusted is really the beginning of a noble heart. Now, Jesus said that, that 
I mean, all of the law and the prophets come down to the way, like we can honor all of what the scripture asks of us. Everything hangs on how we love God and love our neighbor. The entire picture of a genuine, authentic, caring, compassionate love, that's the whole story. And so here's this mom. Can you imagine? She's rocking little baby Lemuel. She's saying, you make sure that your heart can trust her, that she loves with good motives, that you can trust her, that she loves. I thought, wow, what an amazing amazing picture. I love that this entire description is really bookended by the idea that, that first off, her husband knows that she loves him. And then it ends with, and everyone knows she loves the Lord. All of the descriptive things that come out of it are wrapped around those two basic boundaries. Her husband knows that she loves him. There's no mystery. And everyone knows she loves the Lord. Her love is really what begins the whole process. It's, it's really the, the beginning and the end of the whole process. It, it begins to take this picture of this woman that is untenable and bring her to life and say, yeah, she's lovable and she loves. Second thing I thought was amazing is her work. I was reading this again and again and again, and I'm certain she has no less than three separate businesses that she's running. <laughs> I thought, wow, she's amazing. I mean, she's in real estate. She's considering fields and buying them and then flipping them. She's watching HGTV and flipping the houses. I mean, it's just, it's on, right? She's in the grape business. She, she plants a vineyard. We're in church, so I'll call it the grape business. We won't talk about what they use those grapes for, what business she was in. A few of you got really quiet right there. It's okay. It's okay. She was in the grape business. We'll be friends. She's in the great business, right? She's, she's working with merchant ships. She's got a sewing business going. I mean, this girl is entrepreneurial. I'm like, wow, why would the bar be set so high? What is this mom trying to depict for her son? And here's all I could take away from it. She understood that she was gifted by God and she moved in her gifts, whatever they are. This isn't pressure to be in the marketplace versus the home. This isn't a story about what sort of career field you should do or not do with your life. It's not even gender specific. It's simply the truth that if you have gifts, you've been designed by God. Ephesians tells us you're fearfully, that you're God's masterpiece. You've been created in Christ for good works that he preordained that you should do. You are designed to accomplish what God's designed you to accomplish. And if he designed you to accomplish it, there's nothing you can't do in that lane. That's who you are. So be that. Essentially, she's not lazy. She's just moving in her gifts. She's not superwoman. She's just being who she is designed to be. When you are who you've been designed to be, you are this woman of noble character, whatever that looks like. I love that it's multiple fields because you can't say, well, I have to be good at this or I have to have this or I have to. She's good at everything. So the pressure is just way beyond. Don't try to compare. Stop playing the comparison game. Be you. Do you, boo? Is that a thing? No? <laughs> be who God designed you to be. Be the best you. Be unleashed in the full potential of you. That's her work. Don't let anyone say, 
that what you are designed to do in whatever season of life you're in right now is somehow less or greater than anybody else. You are wonderfully designed for the moment that you're in right now. So do you. Be you. It's amazing. The third one, I love this, her compassion. This gal gets up when it's dark, gets the house ready, prepares not just for her family, but for her servants. Her household's big enough that she needs servants. Then she's got time to take care of the poor, and she's got time, like everything you can imagine to do, she's got time to do. So stop trying to do that. You can't do that. Don't compare yourself. What she does do is she has the same heart that the Good Samaritan had. She sees a need that she can meet, and with compassion, she creates room in her life to meet that need. She's driven with compassion. I thank God all the time for my wife's compassion, all the time, because I just run right over the top of everybody's needs. I'm like, I got to get here, and she's like, whoa, look, and I go, whoa, I didn't even see that, but she sees she sees pain. She sees needs where I don't see needs. She understands that she can heal and restore and help people be whole because of who God designed her to be. That's amazing. She's got compassion, and she moves in that compassion. Ladies, we need your compassion. You see what we miss all the time. I speak for the fellows in generalities right now. I don't always do that, but it's just true. You see what we miss all the time both in details, <laughs> but especially in compassion. It's incredible when that happens. She cares for the poor. She distributes. She has margin. I realized this as I was putting this together. You can't live the great, the great commandment. You can't love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. You can't do that if you don't care, if you can't be bothered. You can't. So, mom of King Lemuel says, make sure she cares. Make sure she cares. Make sure when she sees. Now, here's what's incredible. I want you to catch this. She's entrepreneurial. She's caring. She's compassionate. This woman is going to live in the palace. Right? She's going to be married to a king. She's going to have people for her people. Hey, you're my people who go talk to my people to let them know the things I need. And this mom is saying, you know what? You make sure this person doesn't step over people to get to where she's going. You make sure the person that God has, God's best for you, doesn't have that thing that can step over those that aren't as important as she might be in her eyes. We're cruising along. We're almost there. Her speech. Her speech. Now, this is, uh, this is challenging for me because I just get... I get fired up when we talk about words, and I could just go forever here. But the power of our words is incredible. And this woman chooses to speak life, chooses to speak hope. She looks at what can be, not what is, and speaks it as though it will be. Fellas, you know we need that. We need that. We need to know from somebody close to us. There's nothing. I'm going to make this woman embarrassed for a moment. So I'm going to move to where I can't make eye contact, right? There, I mean, listen. There is nothing 
that fills my tank faster than this particular woman saying, honey, you're the man, you got this. I'm like, you know I'm the man and I got this. <laughs> you know I got that. I'll take care of this. I'll get that job done. I'll accomplish that task. We'll go to that place. We'll get that thing. What? She speaks life. Her words are life. They have the tongue as the power of life and death. And when the people close to you speak life, it does things. It breaks open things. It pushes us past barriers. It gets us to believe. She speaks life. Can I be honest? There's some of us in the room, we're just as comfortable speaking not life as life sometimes. We're just as comfortable getting on the phone and being like, Psh, let me tell you what this knucklehead did. And it comes out of us and it pours out of us and it leaks out of us in our own wounds and flesh. And I got to tell you, I have in, oh man, how many years? 19 years? Uh, 1998, I went to Bible college. I can't do the math. 18, 18 almost 19 years. <laughs> it's written behind my ring, so I don't forget. <laughs> you think I'm joking. <laughs> In all those years, I can tell you what I've never been afraid of. I've never been afraid of someone hearing from my wife something about me. Some insight, some thought, something, some fear some whatever I trust her words I trust she's going to lift me up and if she can't lift me up I'm trust she's going to shut up <laughs> she's going to hold it right she's going to hold it she's going to lift me up or she's not going to speak up right one of the two I trust that just like she trusts me you're not going to hear some story you're going to hear a lot of stories but they're never going to be <laughs> something that would pull her down just build her up that's what our words can do he trusts her speech. Lamel's mom sings over him. You're going to be able to trust her words. You're going to trust the motives of what she says. She's going to build you up. The last thing, and I'm cranking along, her praise. Her praise. One, folks are going to know that she loves God. And two, she's going to be worthy of talking great about. Not only is she going to be trustworthy that she's going to speak life into you, you're going to want to speak life into her. You're going to want to celebrate her. You're not going to be able to contain because of the woman of God she is building and picking her up. She's worthy of praise. Fellas, do not drop the ball on this. This is, I can imagine mom saying, don't you forget you tell her how awesome she is. Don't you forget it. You tell her she's great every day. You appreciate her. You trust that God provided her and you don't take her for granted. And you don't, right? Come on, moms, you know. You know, you've probably done this. She fears God. She loves God. And because of that, she deserves admiration and respect. Now listen, I hope I've broken open this proverb for you a little bit because it broke open for me as I began to see this picture of a mom speaking life. It broke open for me when I realized this woman didn't exist. 
right? That this woman isn't a person that he's describing. It's a preferred picture. You know how this woman exists? She exists when the God of the universe completes her and partners with her when she surrenders her life to Christ. She doesn't exist until that happens. And once that happens, she is all of this and more because he's all of this and more living in her. And that's amazing. That is the story of Proverbs 31, but there's a little more. You see, Lemuel is not a real name. And church historians have looked and, and, and Hebrew historians have looked. There's no King Lemuel. He doesn't exist. Now, Lemuel means chosen of God. And so for the better part of the last 2,400 plus years since this is written, everyone has essentially agreed that this is Solomon. That this is him writing. We know he wrote most of the Proverbs. Now, listen, we don't know for 100% that it is, but church history has just told us that's, that's who this must be. Not very many people got to write scriptures. Not many or many people got to be the king. And so we can narrow it pretty quickly and closely. And we look at the tone and we go, wow, that's pretty cool. Solomon, wait a second. We know who Solomon's mom is. Solomon's mom had a rough go. Solomon's mom is Bathsheba. And she breaks onto the story. She has an adulterous and moral relationship that leads to her having a child who is not her husband's. The man that she slept with has her husband murdered. That child is lost. She's a mess. And then here comes the next child, and it's Solomon. Now, here's what I want you to catch. Assuming some things, the church history lands us on where it is. This is a woman who's come through a messy circumstance, who has learned to believe that with God, there is potential greater than anything she's even experienced so far. And that in the generation behind her, there is hope that it can be better, not worse. The world's not getting worse, it's getting better. Jesus is better. The kingdom of earth, heaven is coming closer. That's her hope. There's gonna, you're gonna find someone who's better, who has more, why? Because she's gonna have Jesus. She's gonna be connected to God. And she, she may have come through a mess, but she'll be whole because of what Jesus has done. That's where that wholeness comes from. That's amazing. So pressure relieved from Proverbs 31. We're all messy, but with Jesus, we're complete. Noble character is simply a reflection of God. God completes us. God fills in the holes. He fills in the scraps. He fills in the places where we feel inadequate. He fills in the voices that we've heard saying that we don't have enough this or we don't do enough this or we can't this or we should have this. And all of that mess comes together. And here's a woman who's experienced adultery, who's lost a child, who's got all of these things saying, there is hope beyond today. It will get better. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty cool. I don't know about you, but I breathed a sigh of relief when I got to the end and I realized, wow, 
what an amazing picture of a loving mom leaving a legacy behind her. Gentlemen, noble character is not limited to the ladies. Being a reflection of Jesus is not limited or expected. That's not mom's job. That's your job too. And when we do that, we make a difference. It makes a difference in our families. It makes a difference in our neighborhoods. It'll make a difference in this church. It'll make a difference in our community. It'll make a difference in heaven. If we just start living like we are who God designed us to be with his help. That's noble. So here's my challenge. Happy Mother's Day. Let's go be noble. Let's go be noble. Let's go be reflections. Let's have noble character. Let's be reflections of the king. Let's love how Jesus teaches us to love, not how we want to love. Let's work how Jesus designed us to work, how God designed us to work. Let's do it that way. Let's have compassion, even when we don't want to have compassion, because Jesus in us teaches us what it means. He was so compassionate to us. Let's speak life the way Jesus spoke life. Let's do that. Let's praise the way God designed us to praise. Let's live lives that are praiseworthy, that deserve respect because we simply live like Jesus called us to live. Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that be better? I think it would. So here's what I'd love to do. I want to pray for us all. And, and listen, I know it's Mother's Day, but I just want to talk to human beings. We can do this. Jesus made a way for us to do this. This is how we start changing things. This is how we start breaking through. This is how families start getting over the stuff. We start recognizing, come on, Jesus. I love that person, even if they're broken, because Jesus. And they, they can love me, even though I'm broken, because Jesus. We can get through it. So would you stand with me? And I'm going to pray. Then I'm going to make an inappropriate joke, and I'm going to let us go. God, thanks. <laughs> thanks so much for this incredible, incredible picture of hope that you deposit into us because you love us. Thanks for pouring this into most likely Bathsheba, to pour into Solomon, to pour into all of us that, that there is more because of not how great we are, because of noble character. What is noble character? Because we can reflect your character. So I pray we'd be challenged to do that. I pray that we would desire that. I pray that our hope would be for that. I pray that we go from this place and we'd have fun and we'd celebrate moms or whatever it is we got going on today. Even if today is a rough day and we're not going to celebrate, I pray we'd be challenged in whatever we do to simply be a reflection today of you. And we love you. Thanks for loving us. We just want to love you back. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I promised you an inappropriate joke. I couldn't land here without getting past this point. Solomon never found this woman. He tried 700 times to do it. So remove the pressure of trying to be this person, all right? With that, God bless you. Have an awesome week in the Lord.